Hello, how are you today? Good to see you all. You look like a beautiful crowd. See you guys every week. It's good to see you. Um, I'm Pastor John. If you don't know me, I am the family pastor here at Calvary. So if you have any questions about children's ministry, youth, adult education, or adult, uh, or adult, young adult ministry on Thursday night, just let me know. Um, I am married. You probably see my wife and sometimes my kids. Do you guys generally go to the one o'clock service? Maybe you see those two little girls that are usually dancing out in the lobby. Those are my daughters and uh, my wife. We're pregnant, by the way, with a third child. You didn't know. Thank you. Many people already know, but if you were, were, you saw her and you weren't sure if it was a food baby, it's actually a real baby. So you can, you know how it is when you walk up to someone and you're just not sure if they're pregnant. You're just kind of like, my general thing is I always pretend like I don't know so that then when they say they are, I just act surprised, you know, <laughs> like, oh, you're pregnant. I didn't know. And they're like, out to here. I'm like, awesome. Cause I'm always worried. I'm going to say, oh, let me pray for your baby. And they're like, no, sorry, just fat. That's what happened to my wife. Past, all right, I'm not going to get into that story. Listen, because we have another one coming, and I don't know whether it's a boy or a girl yet, just so you know, we're, we're going to know in a couple weeks, so I can tell you then. We are uh, working on our addition. Oh, these pictures coming up too soon. My daughters, that's okay. These are my daughters. Charlotte is three years old, and that is Gwendolyn. She's one year old. And so I'm working on this addition in my house for uh, the new baby and stuff. And so I usually do some construction, but I'll do it like at an opposite time, a different time, because my daughter Charlotte likes to hang out. She's at three. She wants to hang out with Poppy, you know, and so she wants to do what I'm doing. In fact, she sees me working out there. She'll come out sometimes and she'll like just want to pick up tools, power tools. We got her a little set because she plays so much. I think I showed the picture right here. There you go. And that little pink hammer is actually not a real full-size hammer. It's my wife's. It was in her toolkit. So cute. Women, you guys are so hilarious. Uh, <laughs> So Charlotte picks it up and she like bangs on the wall all the time. And she's like, Poppy, I'm building, I'm building. And she, <laughs> so she just kind of knocks and I let her play. But usually when I'm doing like serious work, I try not to have her come out. You know, you're carrying like a two by four. You don't want to swing and like knock them over or something. And so usually when they go to bed or like on a Saturday, if they're out to the park and I'm not with them. And uh, so, but one night my wife is there and she's taking care of Gwendolyn. And she's like, John, can you take Charlotte out there? And guys, as husbands, you probably know, you know, I was thinking probably not, but you know, it's one of those times where you can't say no to your wife. You know the time, right? You just know when it's right to not say no, okay? It's one of those times where I was like, all right, yeah, sure. Come on out, Gwen, uh, Charlotte. And then I'm like, okay, Charlotte, here's your hammer. Go hammer over here. So she's hanging on the, on the wall. I help you, Poppy. I help you. So she's helping me build, right? And I cleared the floor because I'm going to put together this framing, a wall, you know, framing out the wall. And, and there's piles of other wood and scrap wood because I'd been doing construction. And there were these big planks about that three feet or so and like a foot wide, about that thick. So that's pretty heavy. And they're stacked up in one area. And she starts like dragging them over and kind of getting them in the way. And I'm thinking, you know, you're not really helping. I'm, I help you, Poppy. I help you. And she's dragging the boards. And, and so I'm still trying to work. And then she can't quite drag them. So she's like, Poppy, help, help. And so I'm like, uh, well, I'm, I'm kind of working over here. But all right, you know, so I'll, I'll drag a board over to where she needed to be. And so she's like do, still doing some more work. And then she's like, Poppy, Poppy, more, more. And I'm like, well, what are you doing over here? I'm making a dance floor. And so she's like, put more and more. So I'm lining them all up. And then I'm like, okay, all right, we done now? You know, kind of like, not, I was like, are we done? I'm thinking in my head, we, are we done now? But I'm like, are we done, Charlotte? Yeah, okay, 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 you have fun. I'm going to go over here. So I start working again. And, and then she's like, Poppy, Poppy. I'm like, well, what is it, Charlotte? She goes, come, dance, dance with me. <laughs> I guess that's why you make a dance floor, right? So <laughs> there I am, you know, dancing with Charlotte. <laughs> and I'm like thinking in my head, you were supposed to be helping me. <laughs> You know, Charlotte thought, you know, like she was helping me, you know, and she had good intentions and she wanted to, but she just really doesn't really have the knowledge, obviously, to help me. And she probably doesn't have the ability to help me. And I think a lot of times we can be a lot like my daughter, Charlotte, right? We want to help people. We have good intentions and we want to help people, but sometimes we don't always have the answers. We don't always know how to help somebody. And there's probably people that in, in, in almost everybody's life, I think we all have people that want help or they seek help from us at one point or another. Sometimes they're like small things, like maybe someone's just having a bad day and they want to come over and they just want to spend time with you or they just need a hug, you know, to help make them feel better or or maybe they uh, want to talk about their relationship issues, you know, their boyfriend or girlfriend. Yeah, they... 
They just didn't text me in the last two hours. I don't know what's going on. You know, it's like, so they, there's bigger, smaller issues that we're dealing with, but then there's, there's the big, 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 big issues, right? Some really monumental issues. Sometimes it's like somebody has like an addiction, right? And we just keep trying to give them advice and just not working. We want to help them. We want to give them the right advice. Somebody who's maybe on the verge of a divorce, a family member or your friend and their work coworker, and they're kind of talking to you and you're like, um, I want to help you, you know? Or maybe it's like they're, they're, they're having a financial crisis in their life and you're just trying to figure out, you're trying to guide them through that. You want to help them, but you're just not sure how to help people. You know, I mean, think about it for a minute. You know, how, what do you say to somebody who's on the verge of a divorce that's going to help? Right? What, what do you say? Right? What, what do you say to that person that just keeps making those mistakes in life? They keep making them repeatedly, repeatedly. It's like, what, what, do, what am I going to do here? What am I going to say here that's actually going to help them? Because the truth is, we want to say something that's helpful, but we're not always sure what is actually helpful, right? And then, so uh, I, I believe that the key to helping someone is not necessarily about a what, what advice I can give them, what uh, physical assistance maybe that I can give them. Maybe it's, it's not about the, the, maybe the amount of money. What's the number? What's the amount of money that's going to help you out in this situation? And on all the, the, these things, they will have some value. I don't know if they're really the thing that's going to, to, to finally give them the help that they need. The key to helping someone, instead of being about a what, I believe it's about a who. A who. You see, we can introduce them to Jesus. You say, well, what's that going to do? But think about it for a minute. Just think about it for a minute. Most of you who are sitting here realize that Jesus did something in our life that changed it forever, didn't it? It's like a game changer in our lives. And we know because of what happened to ourselves. I personally know that Jesus can help somebody, can truly help somebody. Because when Jesus comes in and transforms the spirit, other things follow, don't they? You see, when they start to see Jesus and Jesus comes inside of them, they're going to see their marriage different. They're going to see their finances different. They're going to see their relationship issues different. They're going to see life different. I wasn't always Pastor John, but some people come up to me and they act like I've been a Christian forever. They're like thinking, oh, sure, you've been, you probably grew up in a Christian home, right? You know, you probably prayed to Jesus when you popped out of the womb. You're probably like in this position when you came out. I'm like, no, 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 you, you don't even know me, really, right? Because, uh, like, listen, when I was in high school, I used to drink heavily. I put it this way. This is how I tell people how much I used to drink. I say, I used to drink, I say, I threw up more times than I can remember. That's how I say it. Not how much I drank, how many times I threw up because I drank too much. You know, and I used to have anger issues. Don't believe me? Ask my wife. Okay, I've been working on them. My God has taken me from a far different place than I was when I was in my teens and even in my 20s. And it was the transforming power, power of Jesus that did it in my life. It wasn't me. I wasn't able to do it, but God did it in my life. And you guys know the same thing happened to you for many of you, right? And you've seen the changes because you know what? We don't have the power to change. We don't have the power to change ourselves. But Jesus can change us. So I believe it's about a who. And today I want to talk to you about really helping others because I believe that we all really do want to help people and we have people in our lives that we want to assist and help, but sometimes we don't always know how to do that. See, I believe the church, you and me, not this building, but the church that as God defines it, as Jesus defined it, his people, those who are disciples, that we actually have the answer for life. Not necessarily the things that we can do, the church can do, but it's the message that we carry. And it's the message that we bring to this world who needs the help. You see, there's a story in the Bible of a woman who by most standards, she was an outcast. She just didn't belong. But she understood the power behind Jesus' message. And she became transformed. And because she was transformed by Jesus, she was able to transform a whole city of people. So... I believe that her story can help you and me today. So I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 4, verse 27. If you have a Bible app, you can go ahead and turn there. And while you're kind of looking that up or getting ready for that, I just want to set up the story. Here's Jesus. He's traveling with his disciples. They stop at a well. They go off to get some lunch and bring it back. And he's there sitting there alone at noon in the heat of the day. And there's just a single woman just sitting there. And this woman is... Um, this. This uh, woman is someone we don't even know her name. All we are known by in the Bible, all she's known by is the woman at the well. That's it. We don't even know who she is. And Jesus asks her for a drink. And she's this outcast of the community. And in their conversation, it's revealed 
that she has burned through a bunch of relationships. She had been married five times, five different times. And the woman, the man that she was now living with wasn't even her husband. He's on to number, she's on to number six. And she's just been, imagine this woman in her community. People were looking at her and like, what well, you can't, what's going on? You know, she looked, she'd come at noon in the heat of the day, not when everybody else was there because she was ashamed. She was ashamed of her past. She was ashamed of who she was. How many people do you think spoke into her life? I mean, just imagine, right? The conversation between her and her mom. What's wrong, honey? Why couldn't you make it work with the last one, right? Like, why couldn't you make that work? How many is it going to take? Look at me. Look at me and your dad. 45 years of marriage. Couldn't you be more like us, right? Trying to give some advice to mom. Maybe brothers and sisters trying to speak into her life. Maybe your friends or coworkers. Maybe she went to a psychologist at the time right there in Samaria. And she's trying to figure this, you know, figure this thing out. And she couldn't figure it out. Nothing she could have done helped her out until she comes to this point where Jesus meets her at the well. And she comes face to face with the Savior of the world. And suddenly she becomes transformed. Finally, acceptance, freedom from guilt, validation. Freedom from her past. She feels it. She gets transformed in a moment. And then she feels that transformation. And she realizes that she's found what she's always been looking for. The quest for fulfillment was over. She was transformed. And at this point, this is where we pick up her story. And we're going to read in verse 27. It says, at this point, the disciples came. So the disciples come back after this conversation. She meets with Jesus. She sees him face to face. Her life gets face to face. She comes transformed becomes transformed. And they marveled that he had talked with a woman, yet no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? And the woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, come and see a man who told me all things I ever did. Could this be the Christ? At that moment, they show up on the scene. She's there hanging out. And then she goes, I gotta go. She drops her pot that she retrieved water with and she just takes off. And she goes into the city. And then Jesus is there alone with his disciples. And so they say, that, um, in the meantime, verse 31, his disciples urged him saying, Rabbi, eat. And he said to them, I have food to which you do not know of. They're like, listen, we went to go get food and you got food that we don't know of. I mean, I don't see any Burger King wrappers around here. What, what happened? Where would you get food? That's what they're thinking. And Jesus says, I have food you don't even know about. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? Like, Come on, I, I, did someone sneak back here? And then Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of, men, of him who sent me and to finish his work. So Jesus, as he always does, takes this physical thing and he just like transforms it and uses it as a metaphor. And he goes, you're talking about me physically being sustained by food, but I want to tell you what is the sustenance, sustenance of life. This is what, what we should be sustained on, doing God's will. So he takes this little moment, he transforms that and he says, Doing God's work, that is what should be the thing that fills us. And then 35, do not say, do you not say, excuse me, there are still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look to the fields, for they are already white for the harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this, the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. So this woman, she leaves. These guys are there, and Jesus suddenly starts changing the, tra the, the story and starts talking about a harvest, right? This picture of a harvest. And he, he's trying to give them a picture of the kingdom of God. The Bible tells us that God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to eternal life. He's like, God wants to gather them all in. God wants to gather the harvest. And I imagine some scholars say that as they're standing there, because the verse just before this, I kind of skipped a little bit, but they're coming. The guys are coming from the city. So they look off in the distance, and there's all these Samaritans coming. And it says the Samaritans used to wear like these white turbans. And maybe he said, look, the harvests are, the fields are white white with the harvest as they were coming. And imagine they're off in a distance. And as this crowd begins to get closer, it just seems to grow, right? As it gets closer, it's getting bigger and bigger. And he's like, look, the harvest is here. He says, some sow and some reap, but the harvest is here. And the idea behind it, he's like, that's us. 
The time is now to harvest. And that's your fill-in for your first fill-in in your outline. It says the best time to share Jesus is now. Here they are. It's now. Now is the time to share about Jesus. Have you ever been close to understanding something but not quite got it? Just kind of a little off? You ever been in one of those situations? My family, uh, my wife, her, most of her extended family lives here in the Miami area, but she has one cousin in Jacksonville. And she was getting married this Easter, this past Easter, on like Easter Saturday, I guess it was Saturday, that weekend. And we couldn't go because, as you know, we have a big Easter event here. So my wife and my daughters were here. Now, Charlotte was wondering about her cousin, Valentina. Like, when's Valentina? Is she going to be coming with us to Easter? And my wife is trying to explain to her that she's not going to be coming. And so she sent me this text of the conversation. It's up on the screen. Charlotte says, why is Valet in Jacksonville? And Carolina says, she's visiting Angie. Why? Because they are getting married. Why? When two people love each other, they get married. Poppy and I are married. Then I am married to Gwen because I love her. <laughs> Man, it's so awesome. I just, just, you know, made me laugh and made my heart feel good that she loves her sister. But she got part of it right. I love her. But she didn't get the marriage part right, right? It's like kind of got it, but didn't quite get it. And then the disciples are kind of like Charlotte right here. Right here. They, they kind of get it. They, they, Jesus, you're going to be the savior of the world. We understand that. You're going to be the savior. But they kind of thought, Jesus, you're going to come and save Israel. And you're going you're gonna to usher in this new age where Israel's going to rule and reign with you on the earth. And we're going to be your 12 guys right, sitting right next to you. You know, we're, we're going to be there and, 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 and kind of like we're the guys. Salvation is for Israel. They're kind of thinking we're setting up this kingdom. And they don't really understand fully what's going on. You see... These guys were with Jesus for three years, and they really didn't get it. They actually didn't understand it until like the very last day. So they're, they're, he's going to the cross, and they're just not really sure what's going on. And they're all, they all separate, and then they come back together. Jesus rises from the dead, and he spends like 50 days with these guys. And so he's hanging out with them. And then on the last day, they get this last instruction. Jesus is like ascending into heaven and they're like watching him go. And he, maybe he was saying as he's floating up in the air, but I, I wrote the words in your outline from Acts chapter one. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. You see, Jesus said, you're supposed to tell people about me. This is the whole idea of this harvest. It's ripe. Pray for more people to come into the harvest. It's not all about me harvesting them. It's us. It's all of us helping people come to know Jesus. And we can be a lot like the disciples, kind of having it a little bit wrong or a little bit off. You see, when I first kind of came to know Jesus, I thought, you know, I thought my spiritual relationship with God, it was a very personal thing. Like I, I kind of would, I know where I am with you, God, and I'm working on that. And I know I need to pray more. I need to read my Bible more. And, you know, and I was like very focused on me and not really thinking about the other guy because the other guy, you, you know, I'm sure you're going to do something in his life, you know, and it's very difficult sometimes to have that conversation, you know, because there's like two things, right, in this world that we don't talk about, right? You guys know what, right? You know what they are? That's right. Politics and religion. Each service got it right. I didn't even have to say it, <laughs> right? We don't talk about our faith. That's what we're trained. This world is trained. That's what we grow up thinking. I'm not going to share my faith. We don't talk about politics and we don't talk about religion. And that's kind of the way we are. I mean, I grew up in a traditional church background. The Italians and the Irish, we went to the same kind of church, basically. And at that church, I was never taught to share my faith. I never even thought about it. It wasn't even on my radar. No one even said, hey, bring more people, invite them to church. Or here, you ever talk about Jesus to somebody? No one ever encouraged me in that way. So I never even really thought about it. So the first time that I was challenged to tell somebody about Jesus, I was scared. I don't know about you guys, but it scares me. Even though I've done it sometimes, I've done it many times, I still, it makes me nervous. You know, and when they first told me, what popped into my head first off when someone said I need to share Jesus was like, should I? <laughs> like, really, should I be sharing Jesus? That's the first thing. And then kind of the second thing was like, well, what, why haven't I shared Jesus with anybody? You know, and I think there's a few reasons. One, I don't think I knew enough. You know, that's one of our fears. Like maybe I don't know enough about the Bible. Maybe I need to read more and then I'll be ready at a certain time I could share it. Or I, I, what would I even say? What would I say to somebody? Everybody's different. How am I supposed to talk about that to somebody? I mean, one of the things that I thought, honestly, because I just didn't know that many Christians, I didn't want people to think I was a freak. 
right? I don't know about you. It could be only me, but I'm like, people are going to think I'm weird. They're going to think I'm crazy. Telling people about this Jesus, and that's going to change them? I thought, that, that's weird. Like, the only person I knew in high school, I, I grew up in Massachusetts, and I didn't know a single Christian, not one. And I was going to high school, and there was this one kid, and he had uh, had this issue with drugs, and so he went to rehab, and he was gone for like a week, I mean a month or something. I forget how, many, how long he was gone. Everybody knew he was gone. And then when he comes back, though, to the church, he starts telling everybody about Jesus. But he wasn't like kind of your normal guy. He was like one of those flaked out Christians, you know, those kind, right? And they come back and you're like, you scare me. I don't want to be like you, nor do I want people to think I'm like you, right? So I'm like, I don't, that's what kind of the image sometimes that I had. And I'm like, I don't know if I could share my faith like that. I don't want people to think that I'm crazy. I remember when I started transitioning here on staff and I was working at another job and I need to look for a part-time job so that I could be part-time here and part-time uh, as, a, as, as a pastor and part-time making money to survive. So I look, was looking for a job down in Miami and I had a couple interviews and went downtown Miami. And I, you guys may know that there's like parking under 95, right? So there's a, these parking places. So I was under 95. I found a parking spot and it's kind of creepy there. I don't know if you've ever parked there. It's like chain link fences and you're like, what are you chaining in and out? And it's like kind of really seedy. And I'm like, uh, I, I was a little nervous and I'm walking in the direction that I needed to for my interview. And um, I, and you know, of course, anytime I'm in a place that I feel uncomfortable, I'm looking everywhere. I got my eyes open. I'm not going to let anybody sneak up on me. You know what I'm saying? What's that? No, I don't do that. I'm like looking and I see up ahead of me, there's this guy and he's in a full suit, dress suit, and he's sitting on a briefcase and there's three or four guys like standing around him. And I'm, I'm, I'm see him off there and I'm looking and I'm like, is this a mugging that I'm watching right now? I'm not sure. You know, and I'm, so I'm walking forward. I had to go in that direction. I'm walking cautiously. As I get closer, I'm looking, and I say, man, I think I know that guy. And I get a little bit closer, and I get a little, wait a minute. I do know that guy. It was Mark Smith, the guy that was standing up here, and he's sitting on his briefcase in his lunch hour, sharing his lunch with like four homeless guys, telling them about Jesus. And I'm like, whoa, Mark, what's up? You know, he's like, and I was thinking, you know, some of us, we, we, we picture like sharing Jesus like that, that we got to walk up to a bunch of strangers that we don't even know and start sharing, right? You ever think that? Someone says, hey, you got to share the gospel. That's what we think. Got to walk up to the park and just go, you, sir, you're a sinner. You need prayer right now. You need to pray for Jesus. And sometimes we have this in our mind, or, or I think we get that because a lot of times we see these guys on the street corner, right, with a megaphone. And they're, and they're like yelling at everybody and they're telling them, repent, repent. Jesus is coming back. You're bad. You're bad. You're bad. Repent. And it's a weird thing when I see that. I have like this dual, there's this conflict going on inside of me when I see those people because there's a part of me that feels convicted that I need to be sharing my faith. So I see that and I'm like, man, I need to do that. But then there's another part of me that feels just a little sick, like I want to throw up because it's like, dude, that's not the way to tell people about Jesus by condemning them that way. Like just like, you know, it's like, and so it's like this weird thing. And some of us feel like if I was to share my faith, do I have to stand on a corner with a microphone telling everybody how horrible they are, right? And like, and repent, repent. Now that's part of salvation. Don't get me wrong, okay? But there's better ways to do it. And so I think when someone says share your faith, that's kind of what we picture in our head. And then there's some of you here that are thinking, man, if I just walked out to the street and started sharing people, that'd be awesome. I'd love to do that, you know, because that's the way you were built, Okay but most of us aren't built the way you are. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, that doesn't like excite me. But there's other ways to share our faith, and I want to talk to you a little bit more about that. But first, I want to encourage you with the scripture verse that Paul's speaking to the church in Corinth, and he writes this, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not go, know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message. It's such a foolish message, isn't it? Guy died on a cross and rose again. If you believe in him, your life will be saved. It will change forever. Think about that, right? That's part of the reason why it seems so weird. It's like just this foolish message. I'm really going to share that, God? And something's going to happen and you're going to do something? Is that really true? I mean, now I know why I feel silly. 
People are going to think I'm crazy. But he goes on, for Jews request a sign, and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews, a stumbling block, and to the Greeks, foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And then this part is for you guys. For you see your calling, brethren. That's us. We're the brethren. That not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many mobile are called. That's us. The not many wise, the not many noble, the not many good-looking. It doesn't take somebody who's got to be like tall and good-looking. You don't have to have charisma. You don't have to be the wisest person. You don't have to be the smartest person. You don't have to know the Bible inside and out. He says, no, I've chosen you, all of us, me too. And thank God that he says this. Thank God he chose us because the power of the gospel is not in the person who delivers the message. The power in the gospel is in the words of the gospel, is in Jesus Christ. You and I, we couldn't ever change ourselves. We can't change anybody. I can't convince anybody to do anything. Only God can change them. And he's using us. He's using you and me. And then he says to the disciples, guys, look at the harvest time is now. Now is the harvest. We need to be sharing our faith regularly every single day. But he goes on, verse 34, or verse, excuse me, 39. And many of the Samaritans of the city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me, all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two more days. I want you to understand this, and I kind of wrote this in kind of like a pithy way. Maybe it's kind of a weird way, but maybe it'll help you remember. It's just this, that transformed people inform people. Transformed people inform people. You see, this woman, what five husbands and one boyfriend couldn't do, Jesus did, Right? All the things that she thought were going to bring her fulfillment, one relationship at another, that might bring her validation, that might prove who she was, that might give her worth in that society because if you were married, you definitely looked better than the person who was single, the single woman. And so it's like all these things that she thought was going to give her acceptance and validate her and give her what she needed and give her inner fulfillment, none of those things could provide, only Jesus could. And in that moment when she meets Jesus, her life is transformed. And she just drops her water pot. I love that, that she just leaves it there. I mean, that was the thing. She needed water. She needed to bring that home. You live in the desert. You need that. And she's not even thinking about it. Maybe she left it because she thought the disciples might be able to use it. I don't know why she did it, but it's clear that this transformation prompted her to run into the city and go tell people right away. See, good news is something we can't help but share. If we've been transformed, then it's something that we want to share. She doesn't wait till she goes to church a few more times. Hold on, I got to go to synagogue. She doesn't say, let me read through the scriptures first and get ready. She doesn't say, Jesus, can you just anoint me before I go? She doesn't wait to get a theology degree. She just takes what she knows and she goes. That's it. I'm just going to go. I don't even know what I'm going for. I'm just going to go because I need to share this. I need to tell people. Because when we experience something great, you want to share it. Pastor George who was up here earlier, he's a foodie, right? Foodie is people who just love food. They love food. I like food. It keeps me alive. You know, it's like that. I don't hate food, and there's certain ones that are really good. But I, he had a, I, you know, he loves food. He loves food. He posts it on Instagram. He'll tell you about all the places that he ate. Follow him on Instagram if you want, and you'll see all the great places to go eat. But I tell George, I go, George, you tell me everything is good, so I don't even know if I should trust your message, your, your, your opinion, because you like everything. So he comes to the office one day, and he's telling me about Cafe Sosta. Cafe Sosta is this Italian restaurant on Pines and Hayatus, right around there. And he's like, this place is awesome. Italian food's so good. Now, you got to be careful. You're going to tell Italian about Italian restaurant, okay? That's all I'm going to say. So I'm thinking, I don't know. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's not. And he's telling me about these foods. And then Pastor Alex shows up one day, and he goes, man, I ate at Cafe Sosta. It's awesome. He's like, you got to try the two, two raviolis or something like that. And, and there's this amaretto tiramisu. And that got my attention because I like tiramisu, and I like almond 
you know, amaretto. So I'm like, all right, maybe, maybe. So I start telling my wife about this restaurant. And as we're driving past it multiple times because it's just somewhere on our way, I'm like, look it, you see that place? That's the place. And she looks up and she goes, man, that looks really cool. I really want to go eat there. And so I'm telling her all the things that they told me about, right? And so one day comes where we kind of free, I think it was a Friday night, and we're just like in kind of plain clothes. And she's like, hey, so she says, let's go out to eat somewhere because someone had the daughters for us. They were watching them. And so I said, okay, why don't we go to Cafe Sosta? She goes, nah, not like this. We're dressing up to go there. I'm like, what? She's like, we had talked it up so much that she was excited to go to it. Now I have to dress up so we can go to it because I've never been there, but I'm going to go. And the thing is, George and Alex spent their time there. They're so excited. They can't help but tell everybody about the place. You got to go to this place. You got to go eat at this place because they had some kind of amazing experience at this restaurant and they want us to have it. And that's what it's like when we've been transformed. We, want, we have such an amazing experience. God has done something so amazing in our life that now we want to share it with somebody else. The Bible says this. It says, the psalmist, writing about God, wanting to praise him, says, Give thanks to the Lord and proclaim his greatness. Let the whole world know what he has done. Sing to him. Yes, sing his praises. Tell everyone about his wonderful deeds. He's like, wow, I've had such an amazing experience, God, in you that I want, to know, I want everyone to know it. I'm going to tell about your deeds. I'm going to tell about who you are. I want people to understand this. See, we just tell people what God has done for us. That's all we have to do when we share. Look, at this is what God did for me. He transformed my life. We just pass on what God has given to us. We just pass on the blessing that God has done in our lives to somebody else so that we can bring them direction. You know, you don't need to wait to know everything to share what you know about Jesus. When I was um, going to the Bible college, it was kind of like just before I was going to the Bible college, I was taking some classes, but I hadn't enrolled, and I was living in, here in Fort Lauderdale area. I was working as a waiter at the Coral Ridge Yacht Club. And uh, as, as a waiters do, you have some spare time in between shifts or whatever at, when it's slow times, and you spend time talking with the other wait staff. And, you know, you'll ask them, hey, what are you doing? Get to know them a little bit. And so people had found out that I was preparing to go to the Bible college and that I was taking a class or two. And it was so funny how that would bring spiritual conversations. I had the, the strangest conversations with people. And people would ask me questions. It just happens. People are much more open spiritually than we really think they are. But at one moment, there's this, there was this uh, older waitress, and she comes up to me, and she starts talking about her spirituality. And she says, you know, Jesus never claimed to be God. And I said, well, you know, um, I, I, and I seem to remember that there was some place in the scripture. So I'm like, well, I believe he did. And she says, like, she's like, no, he didn't. You need to show it to me. And I said, well, um, you know, maybe next week, you, tomorrow you have a break. She's like, yeah, we'll both be at the break room at a certain time. I said, okay, well, I'll do is I'll bring my Bible and I'll show you. So I went home that night and I was scared to death. I'm thinking, I, I know, Lord, somewhere you say it here. Where is that scripture verse? You know, I'm like trying to find it. I'm thinking I need to be able to share this. And I didn't want to share it because I'm like, what if she asked me more questions? What's going to happen? I don't even know. And then like, she's like, you know, ready for the showdown. And I'm like, I'm not ready for this. I don't want to be a part of this. But I, I said, I guess I got to be. So I, I found this verse and I went into the, the break room the next day and I go inside. Nobody's in there. And I'm so nervous. I'm kind of clutching my Bible and I'm sitting down and uh, it, all of a sudden people start coming in. And I kind of envisioned that it was just going to be me and her. But I'm like, more people are coming in. Man, this is going to be a slaughter. And I'm going to be embarrassed. And so, like, the, the, you know, the wait staff is coming in. And the cooks are coming in. And the cleaning staff is coming in. And the room is filling up. And I'm like, oh, gosh, I hope she doesn't show up. That's what I'm thinking, you know. Maybe she won't show. And so all of a sudden, the door opens. Sure enough, she walks in. My heart skips a beat. And I'm thinking, Maybe she won't say anything. I'm not going to say anything. And if she doesn't say anything and she just forgets, then I just we don't have to talk about this, okay? That's what I'm thinking in my head. But there was this one waiter. And he was this, like, boisterous, loud waiter. And he had overheard our conversation the next day. And so door opens. She walks in. He looks at her. He looks at me. And he goes, all right. And he slams his hand on the table. Boom! Let's get started. And I'm like, oh, man, really? Really? I'm thinking in my head. So I'm like all right, you know, we were talking about, you know, Jesus being God. And I said, well, um, you know, in here, and I looked at it, I had it. I'm like, well, in John chapter 10, verse 30, it says that Jesus said, I and my father are one. And she looks at me. She stands there silent, starts turning red. And she goes, that 
means nothing. And she turned around, slammed the door behind her, boom, and she walks out of the room. And there's quiet, and everybody's looking around. And I'm like, I think I need to share the gospel, right? <laughs> like, and I just started telling everybody in that room that Jesus, the Son of God, who was God, came down, paid for our sins on the cross. And if we receive him, we can receive forgiveness. And I, I'm just sharing it out there. And then all of a sudden, like these island people and Haitians start going, I believe Jesus is God. I believe Jesus is God. And I'm thinking in my head, where were you a minute ago when I needed you? You know, I shared it with this whole people. I didn't know that God was going to do that. And I didn't know that I was going to be stuck in the middle of that. But I just opened my mouth. I didn't think I was prepared. I hadn't gone and studied a lot. All you knew was a couple things. I knew one verse that I was going to throw out there, and hopefully that was going to be good enough. And it's like, we don't have to know everything. We just need to share what God has done for us. This woman, all she knows, she goes to the city, and she shares with all the men in the community. She goes over there, and all she says is, this guy told me about my past. I think he's the Messiah. Come with me. And they go. That's all she said. She didn't have to have elegant, word, elegant words. She didn't have to have all this wisdom and power that wasn't hers. She just shared what she knew. It's very simple sometimes just to share. When Jesus was putting together his disciples, his dirty dozen, he's looking for these guys. They didn't just drop from heaven, but he found them. And one guy, he's walking by, and it's Philip. He says, Philip. Come follow me. And Philip just followed him. And then he becomes a disciple. And as he's following him, he's thinking, you know, uh, I have this friend, Nathaniel. He's thinking, I'm going to go talk to Nathaniel. So he leaves and he goes to talk to Nathaniel. He finds him under a tree. And he says, oh, well, here it is. It's in your outline. Um, Philip went to look for Nathaniel and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth explains Nathaniel, can anything good come from Nazareth? His first objection, Philip's just telling him about a guy, right? That's what we're afraid of. Somebody's going to say something and stump us. Philip just never minds the question. He just says, come see for yourself. Come see for yourself. And so Nathaniel follows Philip over to Jesus. Jesus starts talking to him. Next thing you know, bam, Nathaniel's following Jesus and his life is transformed. Philip didn't have this big dissertation. He didn't know what he was going to say to the guy, and he just said it. It was simple as that. Come and see. Philip believed Jesus had the power to change his friend's life, and that's why he invited him. Because he believed that he could do it, he invites him. You know, Easter here is the biggest Sunday that we have. It's the biggest Sunday of the year. And so we know that people, because some people just go to church basically at Christmas and Easter, that they're looking for a church. And so we do a lot of things to let people know that we're here and that they're in their community. We do promotional mailers. We have social media presentation and ads on Facebook. We do Instagram shots. We do flyers on pizza boxes locally. We do magazine ads and we do signs and banners and all these different things. When people come on Easter, just like you, and you fill out your connection card, the people that are new fill it out also, and they also check off a box. And maybe you did that at one point or another, and you checked off, how did you hear about us, right? Let me tell you something. 47.1% of the people indicated that they were invited by a family member. Of all the people new on Sunday that filled out a card, 47 of them said they were invited by a family member. And another 36.8% of the people said they were invited by a friend. That's 84% of the people that came out on the biggest Sunday of the year came because they were invited by somebody they knew. Think about that for a minute. Think about that, the power that we have when we speak to somebody and invite them here. You know, we would all like to just press the button and it happen automatically, like the in-personal email, you know, just, hey, just send this. But the way God is working and the way he chooses to work is us to bring in the harvest and it's like he's trying to decide let the disciples know that he's letting us know that that it's through the word of god through us just saying something to someone just inviting them that's why there's cards on your on your chairs every week as you come in here every week there's, there's one that's about mother's day so a great opportunity but it's just so that we can invite another person because sometimes it's that simple it doesn't have to be complicated but i better finish up because i don't want to keep you here forever so let's just read the last Two verses, it says, and many more believed because of his word. And then they said to the woman, now we believe not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this indeed uh, is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. I want you to put this in your outline. It says, do your best. Do your best, and God will do the rest. 
the men from the city decide to invite Jesus back for another two days to hang out. And notice that they say to the woman, it's not because of what you said to us. It was because we heard from Jesus. We heard him. He's the one who does the transforming work, not you. And that's the thing. Sometimes the reason I say this is because the transforming work is found in God and in his word, not in us, because I want it to be an encouragement to you because a lot of times we put so much pressure on ourselves. We put a lot of pressure on ourselves because we think when we share the word of God with somebody that they have to come to know Jesus, right? You feel that way? Like you're talking, you're like, man, are they, they going to drop right now and ask me to pray for them? You know, to get on their knees in repentance or whatever it is. That's what we feel. And if we don't do that, if that doesn't happen, we feel like we didn't succeed. Does anybody ever feel that way? Right? There's this pressure that we're thinking, but that's not your concern. You succeed. You win. You have completed what God has asked you to do if you just share the word. Listen, you couldn't transform anybody anyway. It's not your wisdom that's going to convince them. It's not my wisdom. We don't have the words. We don't know what to say exactly. God knows that, and only God is the one who can transform them. It's not our responsibility to transform them. It's just our responsibility to share. And when we take the pressure off of ourselves to say, I don't have to make this person pray, I don't have to make this person like immediately give themselves to the Lord, we can then just say, all I have to do is tell you about them. That's a lot easier because that's all that God is asking of us. That is the thing that transforms is God's word. Listen to what it says in Romans chapter 10. So faith comes from hearing and hearing the good news about Christ. Right? That's the thing that transforms. That's where their faith comes from. That's the thing. God's word. And there's power in God's word. It's not about whether you get them to pray or not. It's not about whether they immediately say and embrace God. You see, we never know what God is doing when we step up and do what he's asked us to do. We're really not sure. We could just be planting a seed. I called to go to hospitals all the time. And especially when I first started on staff, kind of a lot of the newer guys get our feet wet in ministry. We'll go to visit people in the hospital. Maybe there's somebody here who we visited at one point or another. And, uh, you know, when I go, I used to always be so scared of a hospital visit. And I know everyone who's new, they're always wondering, because like, what do we do? What do I do? Because you think about this, you're going to show up at somebody's hospital, you represent kind of God, you may be a pastor, or you might just be someone, and you're, and you're thinking, they're going to expect a miracle, <laughs> right? I was scared. I'm like, I don't know how to heal somebody. I'm going into a hospital, and I got to pray for somebody, and I'm going to pray for their healing. What if it doesn't happen? I feel like everything is dependent upon that. Like, if God, and I pray for them to heal you, and they don't heal you, then you're not going to be, you're not going to believe in God, because he didn't do the work, Right? Think about that. Or if I do pray and they succeed, then maybe you will believe in God. And so we put this like other idea in our heads that, man, we got to do all this. And then I realized, you know what? It's not about the, tra- the miracle that transforms a person. If it was about a miracle, then everybody that Jesus ever healed would have followed him. Another time that he's in Samaria, he's kind of passing through. He's in this one city. And off in the distance, because there was 10 lepers and the lepers wouldn't come near you they weren't supposed to publicly because of their sicknesses and stuff. So they, everybody knew in society, you don't come near me. But they see him kind of off in a little bit of a distance and they call out, hey, hey, have mercy on us. And so Jesus, not even, doesn't even say he walked over to him, doesn't even say he touched him or did anything. All he says is, go show yourself to the priest. They turn, they go show himself to the priest. As they go, as it says in the Bible, as they went and left, they were healed. So they go and do that. One guy shows back up. And Jesus says, wasn't there 10 of you? Wasn't there 10? Where are the other nine? If a miracle was the thing that's going to transform your soul and the thing that we really need to help us, the spirit, if that was it, then those guys would have come back. And they would have been falling at the feet of Jesus just like this other guy who couldn't help but worship him because it's not the miracles. It's the transformation of God's word in our hearts. And so when I go to the hospital, I start to share the gospel. And this one particular time, I went and shared. It was a young woman who was in her 20s or so, and she had cancer. And when I got there, her mom was there and some family members and a bunch of people in this room. And so I just got in there, and I, of course I prayed for healing. I always pray for healing. I'm not sure if God's going to do that or not. 
But then I shared the gospel with her because I don't know what her next day is going to bring or next five days or the next year. So I shared the gospel with her and I prayed and then I left. And I don't even know this woman's name. Don't remember her name. But fast forward three years. My wife's at the orthodontist. <clears throat> she's there and she's talking with some of the staff. And this woman starts talking to her. And my wife, if you've met her, she can talk to anybody. She's one of those people, you know, she strikes up a conversation. They talk, they're best friends in a minute. She talks to a tree and a tree starts talking back to her. You know, it's like that type of person. And so she starts talking, and they're talking about stuff. And she's like, yeah, I go to Calvary Fellowship, my wife says. And then this woman goes, Calvary Fellowship? Do you know Pastor John? You know, she didn't tell her that she was married to him. But she's like just listening to her conversation. And she says, Pastor John came to the hospital for my daughter who had cancer. And he came and he prayed. And he shared the gospel. And when he prayed with her, I prayed too. And I received Jesus, and he saved me. And now I go to church. I thought I was going for this girl, right? And God said, no, I've got other things I'm going to do too. I need you to go there. I need you to open your mouth because there's other people who need to hear this. And what I'm trying to tell you through this story is that we never know what we're supposed to say, perhaps. We don't know how eloquently we're supposed to say it. There's so many times I'm thinking, man, this is so logical. They got to believe this. And half the time, that's not the thing that does it. He's just calling us to open our mouths because God wants to use us to bring in the harvest. He was trying to explain that to the disciples. He's trying to tell that to us. Listen, if we can not be afraid to proclaim God's word and tell, even if it's simple telling our story, God's going to use it. That's what it says in Isaiah 55. He says, so will my word, which be go, goes forth from my mouth, it will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. So you never know what God is going to do when we open our mouths. But we trust and we believe this verse and other verses like it, that when we do, God's going to use it. And so that we shouldn't be ashamed to tell people about Jesus or tell people our story. You never know how it's going to impact someone. And you never know whether you're sowing or reaping. You see, when you sow, you don't see it grow. You don't see the result. Sometimes God says, when you go, you're just sowing. And other times you're going to reap. But just go and do it. And don't be afraid. They don't have to do what you expect them to do. I know what I'm doing. See, the amazing thing about this woman is she transformed her whole city. One woman, one woman, one woman who wasn't afraid to tell, tell people about Jesus and the transformation that happened in her heart. Imagine that. One woman could do that. What could we do? What could this church do? What could, what could happen in the lives of our friends and our families and the people that we know if we would just open our mouths? If we would just say something? You don't have to know everything to say to those people in this moment. What if the next time someone came to you with a problem, you just said this, I don't know what to do, but I know who can. Jesus can help. What if we just said that? What if we just said this is what Jesus did in my life. I want to tell you something about what God in my, did in my life. Maybe it'll be helpful for you. And you just tell him your story. What if someone's talking to you about issues you're going through and they're a total stranger and you just say to this to them, can I pray for you? You wouldn't believe how many people are receptive to us just saying, can I pray for you? I've seen men like this and like this scary as H-E-double-L, right? And I said to, to them, can I pray for you? And they melt and they're weeping because people are more open to spirituality than you think they are because they need God and their heart tells them they need God and they're waiting for somebody to help invite them into a relationship with Jesus. I want to encourage you guys today that we do things, that our minds change from this moment forward. Because I wasn't a person who was always thinking about sharing our faith. And sometimes we even forget. But we, that's why we have to purpose to say, I'm going to be a person who thinks about sharing all the time. The time is now. Just as Jesus said, the time is now for the harvest. It's now. Every day is now. What if when we left, we decided, I'm going to do some of those things you just said. What if we decided each Sunday that I come in here, maybe this is even easier. I'm going to take those connection cards, whatever is on the seat that I picked. If there's three, there's four, there's two. I'm going to pick them up and I'm going to take them with me and I'm going to make sure that I have given them out before I return on Sunday. And then the next Sunday, I'm going to do it again. 
I give it to a cashier. I leave it on a table when I put my tip down. I'm going to give it to somebody I know or a friend, or I'm going to pin it on a bulletin board at work. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to make sure that I'm doing what God has asked. And then there's going to be a harvest that we reap, and we don't know if we're sowing. We don't know if we're reaping. But one day, one day we're going to see what God is doing in the lives of us and our families. And I've seen people, God transform families. I've seen him transform mine when I was like the only Christian praying. God can do it in every one of ours if we'll just do as God has asked us to do. I've gone a little long. So what I want to do is I'm going to close and I'm going to pray for you guys. Pray for all of us. So if you would, let's bow our heads. God, I want to thank you for your goodness, Lord. Father, I want to thank you that we're not wise. We're not mighty. Lord, we're not noble. Because there is a blessing in that that we don't have to depend on ourselves and that we might also know, God, it's all about you. Lord, give us the boldness by the power of your spirit. May your spirit fall on us like you said it would fall on the disciples, that you would give us the power and the strength to witness to our families and our friends and to tell people about Jesus. Lord, give us that strength. Give us that power. May we have that boldness. May you change us from this moment that we might be thinking more about other people than just ourselves and our own spiritual welfare. Lord, help us in this area. Lord, I pray that you would bless everyone today. And may we rely on your wisdom. And may we trust in you that you're going to do a work. And Lord, I pray that they're going to reap a harvest, each and every one of the, everyone here sitting here. We're going to reap the harvest that you have for us to reap. Lord, as everyone is in an attitude of prayer right now, I just want to speak to the people maybe that have never prayed to receive Jesus in their life that they never open themselves up. It's really simple. The gospel is simply this. I've blown it. I've blown it with you, God. We call that sin. I've blown it, and I can't fix it. There's nothing I can do to change it. Jesus, you died to fix it, and I want to make you the Lord of my life. That's it. I've blown it. I can't fix it. You died to fix it, and I want to make you my Lord. you need that in your life, and I believe everyone does, and you've never prayed, I want you to put your hand in the air right now. Put your hand in the air right now. I want to ask you to pray with me. It's just very simple words. We're just going to pray something super simple because it's not about our wisdom. It's not about our eloquence. It's just about our heart opening up. And when you pray this prayer and you open your heart, Jesus is going to come inside. The Bible tells us that I stand at the door and I knock. Whoever opens up, I will come inside. And he will come inside and transform your life forever. Pray with me now. Dear God, I've blown it. And I can't fix it. I need you in my life. Thank you for dying for me. And making a way that I can be with you forever. Come inside right now. 